Be sure to check out Sylvie's Love, now on Amazon Prime Video. Set in Harlem in the 1950s, a young woman meets an aspiring saxophonist in her father's record shop, and their love ignites a sweeping romance that transcends the changing times. Watch Sylvie's Love, directed by Eugene Ash, starring Tessa Thompson and Namdi Asamoah, and produced by Moth Board member Gabrielle Glore on Amazon Prime Video. Welcome to the Moth Podcast. I'm Dan Kennedy. We know Valentine's Day isn't for everyone. In fact, every year in February, in all 29 of our slam cities, our Love Hurts-themed story slam is jam-packed. Probably because on the journey to finding love, there are roadblocks and bust-ups. So what makes a good love story? I don't think... Okay, here's the traditional love story, right? person is alone, they feel alone in the world, person meets other person, they carry on together, both feeling less alone in the world. But I don't think it always requires a person. I remember when I first moved to New York City and I couldn't have felt more alone, you know, far from home trying to figure out what am I chasing here in this city, what am I trying to do out in the world tried the moth for the first time and instantly had this powerful feeling of just these voices, these people, and this community that I knew from that night forward would be my friends and family in this city. And in the blink of an eye, two decades went by with them. And and I think that's a love story. And we have two of those for you today in this episode of the podcast. Our first storyteller is Leah Haydock. Leah told this story at a Boston Grand Slam where the theme of the night was uncharted territory. Here's Leah live at the Moth. I turned 40, I wondered if my husband might surprise me with a party or a trip away, and I did not expect um, a divorce because I didn't ski. And um, just like that, I found myself a 40-year-old divorcee with sole custody of two 15-year-old incontinent miniature dachshunds. And um, nowhere, nowhere was that in my life plan, and so I had to come up with a new plan and I moved from Maine to Boston. And as luck would have it, um, around the corner from my apartment was a restaurant that, in my opinion, sold the best pasta in the whole of Boston. And I would um, go in there, and they had this strozzapretti dish. And it was hand-rolled twists of pasta with tender braised rabbit and rosemary and picholine olives. And I would have eaten there every single night except for it was like nearly $30 for a bowl, and carbs. So I set, myself, um, I set myself a rule that I could only go in there on my very, very, very worst days, because um, we all know it's better to eat your feelings than feel them. And um, so at first, I was, I was eating quite a lot of pasta. Um, I, <laughs> I, um, the day the final decree came in the mail, I was like, that deserves some Strozzapretti. 
And uh, a couple of weeks later, when I found the online wedding pictures of his remarriage to a much younger, heavily pregnant new wife, I was like, yeah, that definitely deserves pasta. <laughs> and, um, and I would go into the restaurant, I would have maybe put a sweater on top of my pajama top, and, um, and I, would just, I would just go in there, order my pasta, order my wine, not really want to talk to anyone. And normally I'm quite sociable, but not on the very worst days. And, um, but there was this one guy who worked at the restaurant called Ethan, and um, he would kind of try and talk to me, but then I would open up my book and he would leave me alone. But at the end of dinner, he would always bring over with the check, like a little scoop of gelato, um, which would have been really nice, except I don't have a sweet tooth, so I'd just angrily mash it around in the bowl. <laughs> and, um, and then eventually, I was having less bad days, and um, I didn't want to be alone forever, so I knew that meant it was time to start dating. And um, that was completely new for me, because the last time I had gone on a date was never. And, um, and everything is like just so new in, in terms of technology. So I, I downloaded the apps and I figured out the correct direction for the swiping. <laughs> and, um, and I was just, I was so clueless. This one guy messaged me and said, are you an LTR kind of girl? And I was like, LTR, um, which I now know means long-term relationship. But I somehow found live to rage on Urban Dictionary. <laughs> and um, I, <laughs> and I wrote back and I said, well, I like a glass of wine or two with dinner, but I probably wouldn't say I'm a rager. And, um, <laughs> and I, had, I, I took advantage of all the technology because there's so many filters and I was filtering for everything. And I thought I knew exactly what I wanted and I chose all these criteria that basically described my ex-husband. Um, I, I, I think I thought, well, I'll find another him, but maybe this one will love me. Um, and so I started going on the dates, and I went on so many first dates that never led to a second date, but they were never quite bad enough to go and eat the pasta. Um, and that, that continued to give me hope. Plus, I'm a wedding photographer, and in the last year, I've photographed numerous weddings from Hinge and J-Date and Facebook and all sorts of different apps. So I just kept persevering. One night, uh, my date pounded five beers, ordered three shrimp dishes, despite my shellfish aversion, um, let me pay the check, and then um, got really weirdly, weirdly creepy about um, giving me a ride home. And I blurted out some excuse and literally ran out of the restaurant and walked home kind of disheartened and really hungry and decided... That was pretty. Like that was a pretty bad date. So I think that just deserves some pasta, silver lining. <laughs> and um, so I walked into the restaurant, and I deliberately didn't sit in Ethan's section. I was like, I'm not dealing with that ice cream thing. And um, and I um, I've got my pasta, and I'm eating it. And he comes over anyway, and tops up my wine, which I really didn't need any more of. And um, he also gives me this giant plate of broccolini, and. Um, I'm like, because I've had a few glasses of wine, I'm like, do you think I don't eat enough vegetables? And, he's, and, and he like looks at me and I say, I say, do you feel sorry for me because I'm always alone? And he looks at me, like really, really looks at me and says, how could I feel sorry for you when you've got all that going on? 
And I turned beet red, wanted to put my head in my bowl of pasta. But like the grown adult I am, I sent a group text to my happily married girlfriends because they're a great source of dating advice. And they, um, they told me to leave my number. And I was, I was like, I don't leave my number for people in restaurants. And Alex pointed out that I had gone on so many dates with so many guys who met all of my criteria, and they'd all been awful, and maybe I should just leave my number for the guy who brought me ice cream. And I did leave my number with a note that said, should you choose not to call, we must pretend this never happened, because I need... <laughs> because I need to be able to come in here and eat Strozzapretti on my really bad days. <laughs> and he texted at the end of his shift and he said, I would never come between a woman and her pastor. That would be, that would be a cruel and egregious act and I am not that man. <laughs> and a year later, we're in an LTR. <laughs> <laughs> Um, technology may have changed the way we date, but not the way we love. Thank you. That was Leah Haydock. Sadly, Leah and Ethan are no longer in an LTR, but Leah remains grateful for his kindness and all of the pasta. She's now optimistically back on the dating apps with a much better understanding of three-letter acronyms. Leah is a photographer and writer living in Boston. Originally from the UK, Leah dreads developing one of those strange transatlantic accents like Madonna, so she asks that you please don't tell her if she has. She's currently working on a memoir. If you'd like to check out a photo of Leah's infamous pasta dish, just head to our website, themoth.org. So we have two story slams a month in Boston, and that is two opportunities for any of you listening right now in Boston to come check us out and maybe even put your name in the hat for a chance to get on stage and share your story with us. For more information on how to do that, just check out our website, themoth.org. Up next, Mitch Donnerberger. Mitch told this story at a story slam we did in Pittsburgh, and the theme of the night was Love Hurts. Here's Mitch, live at the Moth. Many moons ago, actually probably around two years ago, I was uh, very deeply in love with a woman, and it was a very, very long-distance relationship, about 1,000 miles. I lived here in Pittsburgh, and uh, she lived in Minneapolis. And we spent a lot of time talking to each other through the phone, through the internet, what have you. And originally, I had no intention of falling in love with this person. I said to myself, I would never do a long distance relationship, but love has a way of sneaking up on you. And I fell into it. So there I am. We continued along with this relationship for quite a bit of time. And around two years in, I was getting ready to celebrate this anniversary and was getting ready to propose to her. And she broke up with me out of nowhere. And it's a series of uh, complicated issues that led to this, but I was absolutely devastated. I thought to myself, I will never love again. I was absolutely destroyed. You know, when you're getting ready to plan to move to another city, entirely uprooting where you are, who you are, to be with this person, and them saying, no, it kind of sucks. <laughs> a little. Maybe, anyway. So, 
I was completely heartbroken, as if I could not get off of the couch. I would sleep and not eat and just cry all the time. So, I was talking to a friend of mine who lives in Puerto Rico because, as you can tell by my glasses, I am a giant nerd and all my friends are on the internet. Um, apparently there's nothing wrong with that. It's, this is good news. So, I had been talking to him and something snapped in me where I thought to myself, I can't live without this person, I gotta do something crazy. Even if it backfires, I have to do this or I will regret it for the rest of my life. So I'm talking to this person and saying, I think I'm gonna fly out there without telling her to surprise her at her doorstep to say that I'm still in love with this person, I'm still in love with you. And something in me said, this is a great idea. <laughs> I had no backup plan, I had nowhere to stay, and I had booked my flight for, the, uh, for Sunday, and I left on Friday. Now, that leaves a number of days in Minnesota, if anybody's familiar with the place. It's very cold there, and I had no place to stay. So I fly out there, and I'll always remember where I was completely forlorn, just my heart beating out of my chest, thinking to myself, I can't believe I'm doing this, I can't believe I'm doing this, I can't believe I'm doing this. And I sat down, and a mother sat down next to me on the plane, and just making small talk, she said to me, what are you doing in Minneapolis? <laughs> I don't know what to tell her. I, I was like, I just gotta be honest, I'm flying out to surprise my ex-girlfriend at her doorstep and say that I still love her. And she looked over me with this sort of coy smile saying, you're gonna do all right. And I said, I, I, I hope so. <laughs> Let's hope so or I'm gonna die in the cold. So I had flown out there and you know, everything was rehearsed in my mind, thinking, wow, this is gonna be great, I got this, this is great. I showed up at her door and her parents invited me in, she was at work. They were really cool to me. <laughs> they brought me in and I watched football with her dad for a little while and I'm sitting in her living room thinking, all right, this is gonna work, and she comes home. I had no idea what to do. I ran downstairs, out the backyard, and hid in a bush <laughs> for 45 minutes with a, with a full backpack on. Meanwhile, her neighbor's looking at me like, well, this is the next 9-11, here we go. <laughs> and eventually I managed to, she did not see me. I ran around, I ran around the block two or three times trying to get my worries out. And uh, finally I came and surprised her and she was absolutely, you know, she was sobbing. She was like, I can't believe that you're actually here. This is ridiculous. And I hadn't planned that this person would actually say no. <laughs> I guess I had, but I wasn't expecting it anyway. So I finally made it there and um, her parents felt really bad for me that she was, you know, she was at work. She didn't really care for the situation. So they took me out um, to an area where her brother lived in Midtown, which if you're familiar with Minneapolis, it's sort of like the hipster area uh, where a lot of those people are situated. And I'm walking around and they had to go do this errand. So I'm by myself and I'm just walking alone the streets of Midtown by myself. And I see this house party. And I'm actually, like, I was a very shy person. I could not spark a conversation with somebody entirely new um, at that time. And I went right up to these people and said, hi, I'm Mitch. And I thought of this story about Bill Murray, of all people. 
about, there was this rumor that he went to this party in New York, this house party, walked right in, hung out with everybody, and at the end of the night, cleaned the dishes and left. And I'm like, well, that's a really classy act. And I was inspired. The spirit of Bill Murray <laughs> entered my heart that evening, and I accepted as my personal savior. <laughs> Not really, but I came in there, and these, these hipsters, and they were like the hipsteriest hipsters you have ever seen, sat me down and talked about my problems the whole night and comforted me. And I was like sobbing and I was a mess and like, oh, this girl doesn't love me. Blah, blah, blah. And they really helped me out. So finally at the end of the night, um, this party was winding down. Her parents were calling me saying like, hey, where are you? We're gonna pick you up. Um, I, I, I cleaned the dishes and at, at the end, I left that party thinking to myself, like, I, I think I just, like, and I, I, I cleaned my hands of this whole situation. I left, and I felt like a new person entirely. It was like waking up again. And that's why I'm here on this stage, able to speak to you people, because <laughs> that shyness left. It, it, the spirit of Bill Murray took it and flew away with it. <laughs> and dropped it in a fire somewhere in the East Indies. That was Mitch Donnerberger. Mitch is a creative director, designer, and illustrator currently living in Philadelphia. His favorite food, book, and movie is fried green tomatoes. He's happily married now, and he wants you to know that it gets better. You can check out some of Mitch's photos from that fateful weekend on our website, themoth.org. So that was actually Mitch's first moth story. And you can hear how the Pittsburgh crowd really loved him, really supported him through that whole story. This is what I have to say to you. If you're looking to make your moth debut on a Pittsburgh stage, on a Boston stage, on any one of our stages, check out our site, themoth.org, for tickets and more information. But more importantly... Know that moth crowds are famously warm and supportive and there to see you shine. That's all for this week on the podcast. Until next time, from all of us here at The Moth, have a story-worthy week. Dan Kennedy is the author of Loser Goes First, Rock On, and American Spirit. He's also a regular host and storyteller with The Moth. Podcast production by Julia Purcell. The Moth Podcast is presented by PRX, the public radio exchange, helping make public radio more public at prx.org. Moth Story Slams are back. Held on Mondays beginning in February, join us for our weekly open mic story slam competition. February's theme is Love Hurts. Throw your name in the hat for a chance to tell your story or just come to listen to stories of a total eclipse of the heart, kicked to the curb by the people or places or things you love or used to love. Visit themoth.org slash events to buy tickets now. That's themoth.org slash events.